On this episode, Rigel 7 is a super weird place. Federation court system turns out to be an illusion. Lasers are real scary, even if you can't see them. And Strange New Worlds is going to have to cast a new Vena. I'm Captain Awesome. <laughs> and I'm the Tribble Hippie. Welcome aboard, take a station, and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on the bridge. Hey everybody, welcome to No Seatbelts. Uh, this week we're going to be discussing the Menagerie Part 2. But before that, speaking of Part 2, I just wanted to bring up, this is in fact a red letter day. It is our one year anniversary. We've been doing right. this for 12 months. Woohoo! <laughs> so I just want to say thank you to everybody who has uh, joined us on this adventure. Um, it, you know, getting a podcast off the ground is a little bit of a weird experience. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> but for those of you who have stuck with us since the beginning, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. We endeavor to bring more content and to hopefully eventually run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, we're going to have a eugenics war before that happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to stop this podcast until I meet Khan himself. <laughs> you should stop doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could travel back, you know, 26, 23 years, uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so like I said, it's the Menagerie Part 2, originally aired November 24th, 1966. Uh, yes. Mm. And Roddenberry, again, has the writing credit for this. Um, this is, of course, going to work in the parts from the cage. Now, John D.F. Black, one of the uh, staff writers, did, as we mentioned last week, say, no, this was actually my script that Gene didn't like and rewrote. Uh, and he took it all the way to the Union, who unfortunately did not find in his favor. Um, so this is, a, this is a Roddenberry joint, according to the credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't it seem weird that we keep having this same conversation about Roddenberry's <laughs> writing credits? Man, you think somebody would be watching for it at this point. I have to say, it's been an education for me, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, directing this episode is Robert Butler, and this is really quite a get. Now, to explain, as we explained last ep episode... The directing credits on this were actually split because Mark Daniels directed the envelope, the modern Kirk, Commodore Mendez, Spock, all of those sequences um, in what they called the envelope. And then the cage part of it was actually, of course, the original pilot. And that was directed by Robert Butler. Uh, Robert Butler actually was a journeyman director. He directed a lot of stuff especially um, Disney movies. He directed a, a lot of the Kurt Russell Disney movies. Now you see him, now you don't. The computer wore tennis shoes. Um, my personal favorite, he directed Hot Lead and Cold Feet, which is a great Don Knotts, Jack Elam film. Um, he had worked with Roddenberry previously on The Lieutenant, so Roddenberry did like to work with people he had worked with before. So he won two Emmys, um, one for his work on The Blue Knight, which was a uh, George Kennedy uh, police show, which actually was kind of a precursor to TJ Hooker because he was a older police, older police. I believe he was a detective who went back down to 
being a beat cop because he wanted to do some good in the world. Um, and then he also, uh, Butler won another Emmy for his work on Hill Street Blues back in 1981. So a whole blue cop thing going on there. <laughs> now, Hill Street Blues, that was in my generation. <laughs> I, I did enjoy some Hill Street Blues when I was a little kid. Never saw that with my parents. Never you saw know, it was, it, it was the gritty, like, um, uh, bullpen kind of cop show where there was a lot going on in the bullpen and all the relationships and everything. And then they would do a little scene outward. They'd go solve a crime and catch the perps. <laughs> and then it was all back into the bullpen again. So yeah, it, it kind of, I mean, it, it set the stage for a lot of new, newer cop shows. So, Oh yes, I do know. Yeah. yeah right. It, it was a big deal. And it had a great theme song. Oh man. <laughs> anyway. And yeah. Did he really co-create Remington steel? That's what I saw in there. Yeah. Butler was the oh. co-creator of Remington steel. Dude. So in 2015, he was given the lifetime achievement award for, by the director's guild of America. And according to IMDB, he is the last living person who has a credit on the cage. Oh, wow. And I was trying oh. to go over that in my head and it was like, so he's still alive now. Yeah. Yes. So this episode is still kind of weird. We're still doing a little bit of envelope, but this one's going to be a lot heavier on the cage. Yes. So the synopsis of this one is pretty much the same. It doesn't really change from one to two. Spock <laughs> stole the ship. Spock wanted to lie. Spock stole a captain <laughs> or I guess a, a fleet captain. And then he, you know, he does a deep fake and they have a court martial. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> and his entire defense rests upon him streaming video. Yes. Which is just. Uh, which given today's culture of sag Afra, I got to say, ooh, not age well. It aged really, really well up until a couple weeks ago. All right. So uh, the only real factoid that I have on this one that's a little bit you know, generic is that I screwed up. So the last episode, I said that the coolest thing about this was that they found the clippings that they made when they stitched the cage and menagerie together, they found the clippings in a warehouse and those were returned back to Paramount and they redid or they rebuilt the cage. What I said was that there wasn't any 35 or the only copy left was a 35 millimeter. That's not true. Gene's personal copy was actually a 16 millimeter. Uh, nobody could use it because it was just right. nowhere near a large enough print to be actually usable. The 35 millimeter is what they were actually looking for. And that's what they ended up finding the clippings of. Okay. All right. So a little bit of a correction. All right. So now we're a couple days later. So it's still start eight, three Oh one, three point one, which again means absolutely nothing. Um, this is a really cool use of the captain's log because instead of having the, well, if you watch Star Trek Next Generation, you know that when we're coming into part two, we're going to hear Majel uh, Barrett's voice saying previously on Star Trek The Next Generation. And then they're just going to show cuts, yep. clips from the actual episode. And then she's going to say, and now the conclusion. In this, and I don't know why they didn't continue with this in later Star Trek shows, Kirk uses the log to kind of outline the things that happened in the last episode. 
so yeah. that you don't have kind of that clip thing. You actually, he's kind of bringing you up to speed on everything that's happening in the normal way that Star Trek does, which is Captain's Log. Honestly, I thought this as a vehicle was great. I was yes. really kind of surprised that they didn't do more of these. Yes. Uh, you know, as, as uh, two-parters go, it's always a little bit fractured to try to catch back up, especially if you haven't watched it. You know, if it, if you've really watched it in order and it's been, you know, a good week, maybe longer since you've seen the other episode. I mean, God forbid it's, you know, a summer cliffhanger <laughs> um, and you forget everything. Right. So these little catch ups are great. And having the captain's log as the catch up, I think is fantastic. It, it just it makes so it well. seamless. It seems because yeah. it fits right in with the actual show. It fits in with the format of the show. Hundred percent. Actually, you know, in all seriousness, I, I wonder what it would be like if you did have a summer break between them. I mean, obviously, we didn't have that because we just watched them back to back. But if you had that summer break, I wonder if it would be uh, as useful as it felt watching it this way. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Anyway, so they proceed to start reading off the charges, um, <laughs> and I gotta say, this was super weird because like this is they, awesome. They pan the camera around and you got Kirk standing there looking kind of directly at the camera. Black background. Black background. You got Spock kind of looking a little off to the left of the camera, but he's also looking right into Mendez's ear because he's looking across the camera. It very much reads like one of those like indie beatnik plays where they've got a single spot on everybody's face. <laughs> you're just like, you know, I, I feel like we are stepping into forever. Forever <laughs> is something you shall never know. You know it's just like, what, what is going on here? But the way he reads the charges is just so dramatic. <laughs> It reminded me of a of a Greek tragedy shot on PBS. It, it, it had a it had a certain eye Claudius aesthetic to it, right? <laughs> you kept waiting for the the narrator to like to to switch over to the narrator sitting in a comfy chair by a fire. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the last episode, we find out that. All of the video that everyone's been watching is coming from Talos 4, which you're not supposed to have any contact with Talos 4. To do so is to court death. It's the only death penalty left on the books in Starfleet. That's how seriously yeah. they take this. Well, and I got to say, watching the Talos 4 episodes of Strange or of uh, Discovery right now, nobody mentioned death penalty. Not once. <laughs> I, thought that I was, was wondering that I was going to go back and watch. Cause I was wondering about that. It's like, well, wait a second. <laughs> right. So that show, that story takes off after this episode. So it, it's after they've already been, well, no, no, not after the manager, excuse me, after the cage. So right. they've already been to the planet. So the, the general order seven exists that says, if you go back, you're going to be murdered. And on discovery, they go back with an admiral in tow, no less. And everybody's just like, meh, whatever. <laughs> that was weird, right? <laughs> so yeah, this, this seems like it's one of those overreactionary things that happened. Like after all of this happened, somebody in Starfleet, you know what? I just don't want people going there anymore. Right? Well, no, <laughs> actually they talk about how general order seven has been repealed. Uh, but maybe ignored or something like that, which I thought was kind of interesting that they went that route considering this episode is supposed to be later than that, than those events. Yes. I don't know. Some of the revisionist history is kind of interesting. Um, the, you know, this is a group of people that desperately love the content 
And yeah. so when they screw with the timeline a little bit here and there, it's always like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> At the end of the day, while the whole Talos four death penalty thing is real scary altogether. I really love the opener. I think everything they did with this was great from the captain to the weird, you know, college play yes. aspect of it. It was great. Uh, by the time you, you really get back to the episode, I thought it was really just like, man, I, I totally, I mean, I'm back in it. I got this. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was done really well. <laughs> no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a little bit odd though, that they go through all this and then when they actually start to pick up again, Spock does the same thing again, kind of brings them up to speed. It's like, dude, we just went over all of that. <laughs> right. I will now turn on the screen and go over the recap. No, no, no. We, we did that already. Ah. So he kind of gives us the lead in and then tells us that the keeper has control of the screen and asks if Pike understands. And Pike's just like, yeah, I understand. Which the first time I heard it, it sounded like peeper. And I was really, really nervous about where that was going. But no, it's keeper as in she's a. Yeah. And well, so. It, it was it was definitely kind of a a weird thing that he's like, all right, uh, we control the horizontal, we control the vertical too. Sorry. <laughs> so I don't know. Gene just loved the outer limits. What can I say? <laughs> Somebody was just asking me about that the other day. <laughs> so we we immediately start with Pike in the cage. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Uh, he is in his little, uh, his, his, what do you call that? His zoo cage. I don't know. He's he, behind plexiglass. Yeah. He, he's being kept on the box to preserve his, his value. He is the man in the box. <laughs> <laughs> That's who they were talking about. Right. I'm going to go back and listen to that song now. It turns out Stone Temple Pilots, huge, or, or was it Alice in Chains? Oh no. It was Alice in Chains. No. I'm sorry, nineties. I've, I've failed you nineties. I know somebody who would know, and I can't wait to ask him because they're going to get very upset when I tell them, you know, that song's about Captain Pike, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can we be there for that? Please. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So I, the only thing that, uh, so it is the giant plexiglass wall. And if you remember from when we watched it on the cage, Pike tries to throw his arm into it and it goes boom. <laughs> what a nice <laughs> tone. Great noise. <laughs> but all I could think when I'm watching this is like, you know, thinking about production value and everything, I'm like, how expensive in the 60s was that giant wall of plexiglass? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. Like that's several thousand dollars worth of plexiglass now. I can't imagine what it cost back then. That had to be like half the show budget. Because it had to be thick enough for him to throw himself against it. Right. Well, either that or, you know, he's just really that good at acting like he threw himself <laughs> into a wall. That's why they needed the sound effect because he didn't actually touch it. <laughs> now he totally did. Cause you could see it wiggle in the light. So, I mean, yeah. it definitely, he definitely hit it. I don't know. And they were going to blow a hole in it later. So that, <laughs> they had to spend something <laughs> anyway. So the three aliens walk in and they're like, Hey, what's up? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Daryl. This is my brother. I'm my other brother, Daryl. <laughs> The way they're standing there in front of the plexiglass, plexiglass, though, you're really expecting there to be like one of those little dollar feeds in the one side, you know, right. <laughs> insert dollar to watch the human dance. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> so the, the keeper starts talking with their brain. I'm going to use they. I'm, I'm going to use they because they're all played by women, but they have guy voices. So they're kind of. Yeah. So the voice was originally done by Malachi Throne, who is uh, Commodore, Commodore Mendes. Mendes. Um, however, for this episode, they didn't want you to think, you know, oh, why is the Commodore talking through this alien? Which <laughs> honestly would have made it so much cooler. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, I know they could have even thrown in a line. It's like, I don't trust these aliens. I certainly like that one's voice, but right. Okay. If we were watching an episode of lower decks, he would have said that. (laughs) (laughs) That one sounds like a straight shooter, (laughs) but, uh, so originally, so it it depends on which scene you're watching. Cause in some scenes, yes, they sped up Malachi throne's voice and made it sound higher, higher pitched, which is weird. Cause then that would throw off the timing of the scene, but whatever. And then in some episodes, it's Vic Perrin who does the voice per- uh, voiceover. Uh, now, and I have to admit, that is somebody I did not know. Vic Perrin actually will end up doing a number of voices for Star Trek uh, later. He's going to be the voice of the Metron um, in the episode Arena. Oh, and he's also going to be the, uh, the voice of Nomad, the uh, space probe that in the episode The Changeling. Um, and he'll actually do a live action thing. He'll be the head of the Hulkin council in mirror mirror. Oh, nice. So, uh, and by my favorite thing, V'ger, right? Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did I give that away? Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> One probe looks at the other side. I'm going to do that even better. Right. <laughs> my personal anyway. favorite thing about Vic Perrin though, is that he was the voice of Dr. Zinn on johnny quest who was like their ultimate bad guy dude johnny quest every saturday morning oh i friggin love johnny quest to this day i love johnny quest you know we Um, could probably get my brother in on a johnny quest uh uh, podcast that was like his oh man he still has johnny quest paraphernalia you know it's funny though you know what i'm gonna add johnny quest to my rewatch queue because that's that's a binger right there <laughs> oh man I, you know it's probably terrible now but you know i don't care <laughs> tim tim matheson was was quite the voice talent right <laughs> uh, so anyway um so the actress however who was playing the keeper was meg wiley um she's one of those actresses that you've absolutely seen her in something and you have no idea where it was. <laughs> if you look through her list of, of credits, she's in a ton of stuff from like Marnie to mad about you. Like she's all over, <laughs> but she was one of those background characters that like, she would be in front of the camera with a speaking part for like two lines and you would, she'd get pushed off camera and you'd never see her again. <laughs> and it's really too bad because she was pretty awesome. She did do um, a good job. Right. My personal favorite was she was the grandmother in the last starfighter Oh boy! Um, where she goes from, you know, grandmother needs to be taken care of to she's carrying a shotgun and trying to get rid of aliens at the end. <laughs> it's so good. Um, now she was wearing some of the more complex makeup that has been done on the early episodes. Um, they basically, so to put it in perspective, you've seen a picture of these guys before. They're wearing, or they've got the big giant uh, heads with like pulsing veins on the outside yes. of their giant heads and they psychically attack everybody. Okay. So we know who they are, what they look like. They're wearing a, a swim cap on their head 
It's a rubber swim cap with a chin strap. <laughs> and then they piled all kinds of rubber on it to make the big giant head. Uh. Um, the, uh, the guy who invented this process was named Wa Chang. Uh, and he will go on to do many of the uh, makeup jobs, or not makeup jobs, but the uh, prosthetics jobs yeah. on the show. Um, and the uh, uh, makeup artist who came in to kind of blend everything together was a gentleman by the name of Fred Phillips who would go on to do much of the, the makeup throughout the season. Okay. Now, what Wa Chang did that was kind of interesting is he layered on these little tubules all over the outside of the rubber head to make veins, and then they covered it with another layer of rubber on top of that to just give it a real thin veneer on top. And then they had tubes running down their sleeves, down the bottom of their, their robes. In fact, they, the reason that they have such long sleeves is because each of them has a little ball in their hand that they can squeeze to make the veins <laughs> on their head pulse. Now, and it is a good effect. I mean, oh yeah, it's great. Right? It looks so awesome. Effect. And what's funny is that depending on the scene, sometimes you see like, you know, oh, it looks like there's some tubes underneath some rubber that are pulsing. Okay, that's weird. And in some <laughs> scenes, it's like this very slow, deliberate, the head's kind of flexing and swelling, and you're like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> so the really good ones are because Meg Wiley was on screen talking, and so she wasn't in control of the ball. There was actually an assistant director on the ground behind her slowly squeezing that ball <laughs> to give her the effect while she was talking. I don't know. The, the whole thing was just really cool. It's it's super icky but i love it. it it it's such a great effect yeah it, it is for the time it's an amazing effect and and watch Chang will do a number of things we'll we'll be talking about him more uh probably around arena because he's the guy mm-hmm. with that gorn outfit and i think that'll be a nice place to talk oh, about yeah. him because a lot of gorn work yeah um oh and also these things took like two or three hours to do oh good lord the the biggest complaint from from the actors was because they're wearing a bathing cap the entire time they're filming they can't like their ears are just squished against their head the entire time when i was just watching it that was the thing that really struck me is that their ears looked unusual and i thought i think that i can't tell if that's their real ears just being like pushed down or if they put a prosthetic over that. Yeah, no, they're, they're fully formed rubber ears that are little tiny ears stuck to the outside of the, the bathing caps. So their real ears are stuck inside. It had to be so godly uncomfortable and sweaty. Ugh, can't even imagine. Yeah. So the three aliens kind of show up and, uh, start talking to each other. Now I don't quite understand this part. They start doing the telepathy between themselves but they allow Pike to listen in as well. Yeah. That's kind of a jerk move. I mean, it's like standing there and talking about somebody in front of them. Yes. And they're like, I'm right here. And you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like what is that about? It, it was like, they were like, Hey, just so you're aware we're telepathic and we're rude. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> check this out. I'm not moving my mouth. You can still hear me. You can't do that. Stupid monkey thinks we're talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think, I mean, because, I mean, wouldn't one of the advantages of telepathy would be to have private conversations? So, oh, yeah, this is like, just yeah. completely. Listen, I'm the caddy guy at a party who sits in the corner and talks about everybody who's there. <laughs> so I'm telling you, if I was telepathic, I would be giggling nonstop. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure we both would. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's something they're seeing. Pike is doing the whole thing of like, you know, uh, uh, telling everyone who he is. Can you hear me? And he identifies himself as the captain of the space vehicle enterprise, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. But then he just says something stupid. I'm from a stellar group on the other side of this galaxy. I have a pet peeve in science fiction um, that certain science fiction writers don't understand the difference between galaxies and solar systems. Mm -hmm. This guy's still in the Alpha Quadrant. He isn't from across the galaxy. Voyager went across the galaxy. And that's why it would have taken 75 years to get back. So pet peeve. No, you're not from the other side of the galaxy. You're from down the block, galactically speaking. <laughs> I don't know why that always bugs me. It just no, no. I, in all seriousness, it does bug me, but not for the same reason. It's not that it just bugs me that they didn't do the work. What bugs me about this is so much of the first couple episodes of, of the original series really makes it feel like we're pretty sure our viewers are too stupid for this. <laughs> So we're just going to say a thing and it, it just, it comes off that way. And this is another one where it's like, ah, nobody's going to care or notice. So let's just say whatever we're going to say. It's one of the things I wonder how much of the development of the space program during this particular time led the writers to figure out, I think we need to be a little bit more on the ball yeah. because some of the terms that we're using now are starting to get used in normal language and normal day life and more people understand it. So maybe we need to be a little more exact on exactly the words we're using. But well, I, I guarantee you they got at least one letter about this. <laughs> maybe, yeah. When this episode came out, they would have gotten a letter and they were like, Oh man, we're going to have to read. Aren't we? <laughs> All right. Hire a scientist quick. <laughs> Nice work. If you can get it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, that does sound like an awesome job. (laughs) So proving how superior he is, the uh, the alien has to tell his fellow aliens, hey, watch this. He's going to throw himself against the plexiglass to to show us how tough he is, which I thought was hilarious because it was like, no, you little moron. He's seen how strong the windows are. I mean, as a mind reader. You really suck at this. In all seriousness, though, I, he could have been going either way. He he, he really was kind of like in total bull in a china shop mode at this point. I was a little disappointed in him. I was like, you know what, <laughs> Pike, I've I've decided at this point, you know, because I've known you for forty five whole minutes. I, I've decided at this point that you're better than this. <laughs> Um, and, and he just uh, throws himself at the glass and you're like, uh, he could have very well just said, Oh, look at him. He thinks he's people. And it would have been the same situation. I don't know. He really should have just been like doing something other than that. Like maybe looking for the edge of the plexiglass or examining for vents or something, something more intelligent than I'm going to hit that thing. (laughs) So I'm 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 fully on on uh, team keeper at this point. I'm sorry. Well, the thing is, it's all going to be irrelevant because all of his thoughts are going to go out the window as soon as he hears the phrase. We can begin the experiment now. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're in a plexiglass room, surrounded by people you don't know, and the word experiment comes out, 
Yeah. It's time to worry. Yeah. I mean, the only thing worse than that is when they say, you know, injector. <laughs> like it's, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> At least he's still wearing his own clothes. They haven't brought in the paper gown yet, you know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, definitely a scary situation. Yeah. It's, it's, and it isn't lost on, on, on Chris Pike. Cause when they do it, the dramatic music comes up and the look <laughs> on their face is like, Oh, that doesn't sound good. Right. He, he's, <laughs> he's got the almost quizzically scared look. <laughs> Why did I follow the 18 year old blonde? Actually, you know what he's thinking right now? They should make a law that nobody's allowed to come to this planet. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to suggest general order. And you know what? It doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't have to be like general order one or two. If they get around yeah. to it by six or seven, it'll be fine. Right. Exactly. All the other ones are really, really important. <laughs> so our next scene is somehow on the enterprise, not the enterprise that we're on, but the enterprise that they're on in, in the TV land enterprise. <laughs> so past Spock and past Dr. McCoy or not even Dr. McCoy, Dr. Uh, Piper. Piper? Is that the drunk doc? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Piper. And number one, she's not Una yet. I, I wanted to call her Una, but she's oh, not wait, Una yet. Wait, wait, Dr. Boyce. Boyce, that's it. Piper yeah. was Paul Fix. Yeah. Dr. Boyce is drunk doc. Yeah. He, hey, I know what'll fix you up. You need a, you need a drink. I know you're depressed, but have a drink. This is a guy who is so drunk he puts ice in martinis. I know. What is up with that? I just and this is the brave future they you want let us to your martini. Avoid. Enjoy the ice, but you take it out of the ice. <laughs> you replace the ice with olives. All right. <laughs> so Spike stare Spike. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that time that that Spock and Pike got on the transport pad, and when they came off, they were all combined up. They call that a tubix. I assume that was Sarek's like you know tough son, leather leather <laughs> wearing son. Hey, what's up? I'm Spike. Have you seen my wuss brother Spock? I hate your logic. I hate you all. <laughs> all I listen to is Klingon heavy metal. Okay, well, strange new worlds. You got a new character, Spike Vulcan. It's got to be better than his sister. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That still bugs me. <laughs> so Spock is staring in, into some machine that looks like a future version of a Chevy Bel Air dashboard. <laughs> I, I, thought he, I thought he was auto checking in and he was flight at the airport. It's like, what is he sitting in front of? Right. <laughs> And so they're going over the whole thing and, and Spock is kind of uh, Spock is being, well, not quite Spock. Like he's using a lot of idioms that just don't really fit in with how we know Spock later, such as if we start buzzing around down there, they could swat this ship as if it were a bug. Is it just me or was, were you also waiting for him to be like, you know, when I was, knee high to a grasshopper back in the day. <laughs> he just kept doing stuff like this. It was so weird. Prepare the engines too sweet. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just, <laughs> it, it is kind of weird, but the good news is, is that Spock's like, Hey, weird old idiom. And number one's like, did you say blow something up? 
Yeah, let's pull something up. <laughs> yes. I do like this. Boyce goes through this whole thing of explaining, we can't be sure of anything we do down there. It's just <laughs> nuts. And somebody says, well, we could try to shoot it. And number one is like, hey, everyone get up. We're going to shoot it. Yep. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Again, I we need it. more of this in Strange New Worlds. I, I want at least a couple of episodes where somebody just says, well, we could shoot the thing. And and number one just gets up and like, all right, let's shoot it. I, I mean, Una is a little more bloodthirsty than the old number one. I'll give her that. <laughs> but uh, she could she could be do or could do with being a little more bloodthirsty. I'm just saying. I, I think they should just have at least twice a season they have to talk her out of shooting something. Right. <laughs> just, just add to the character. Hey, speaking of strange new worlds, we're going to go back to Rigel 7. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Rigel 7 in Strange New Worlds was fantastic. They did such a great job. If you have not watched that episode, go watch it right now. We'll wait. Okay. Now that you watched that episode, it was so good, right? (laughs) Oh my God. They did so much fleshing out of Rigel 7. Now watch this scene, which is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Super cool because it's so bad. So the, the Brainiacs are like, hey. We need to make sure that he's got something more interesting to protect. Okay. Okay. Now, when they went here before, he lost three crewmen. And they're oh, he thinking, care about them. <laughs> let's give him a blonde. Right? Obviously, a blonde would be, would be more important to him than his own crewmen. Right? Oh, it's, it's so weird. But not just any blonde. No. <laughs> We're going to take the girl he just met who for some reason he's absolutely going to care about and <laughs> also is probably trying to kill him and maybe a hologram. And we're going to throw him into his brain into some weird memory he has of being outside a medieval castle, I guess. <laughs> and kind of a mosque castle thing. It has, it has yeah. kind of a, a, a more look to it. Um, it kind of does. And then there's a girl running up to him wearing a straight up English medieval dress. <laughs> Her hair's all done up. Like she's a princess at a fair. It's real weird. And she's like, Oh, help me, help me. We're <laughs> like, wondering, are the aliens digging into Pike's brain to get this stuff? Or are we digging a little bit deeper into the alien keepers closet? Yeah, right? You know what I mean? You know what the thing is about this though, that made me so happy is Pike's initial reaction was like, yeah, I'm not buying this crap. <laughs> and I was so proud of him. <laughs> I, I, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be one of those Kirk moments where he's like, well, when in Rome, you know, <laughs> no Pike's like, this is BS. There's no way this is real. <laughs> I'm moving on. It's that whole thing that once, once, once you actually do it, when they say dance monkey, right? When do you stop? When do you get off that train? It's true. <laughs> so, um, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, the blonde that comes up here is the same blonde that we saw before. That's, that's not cool. The woman that comes up here is the same woman we saw before. <laughs> Her name is Susan Oliver. And we do love Susan Oliver because she is amazing. She is amazing. Uh, Susan Oliver was a theater actress which uh, she moved to TV and movies, but did a lot of things. By the time she does the cage, she's already played opposite George Hamilton in the Hank Williams biopic. Um, and she's played across from Jerry Lewis and the disorderly orderly, which is actually where I first remember her from. Um, she became one of the first women to go through the AFI training program. 
uh, to train women directors and eventually would direct episodes of MASH and Trapper John. Nice. Um, there's a lot of conflicting about timing on certain things, but here's what I was able to dig out. She was in a passenger plane that basically took a nosedive. Didn't crash, but took a nosedive. Um, and really, really upset her. And this was on the same day that Buddy Holly died. So not a great day for air travel in general. Dear Lord. Um, man, talk but, about getting off the plane and being like, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> holy wow. So she eventually would actually uh, end up going through hypnosis to allow her to fly because she had to fly for work, but she really, really did not like it. And eventually she decided to take matters into her own hands and become a pilot. Isn't that, that's just so crazy. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Facing your fears is a real thing and everybody should try it. It's, it is amazing, but I mean, that's pretty extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's where it gets a little bit goofy because some people say what happened, what I'm going to talk about next is what made her go into, into pilot license. Others say, no, it was not, but she was, um, Oh, this is part I do not have written down in here. Uh, she actually was in a plane that crashed with a LA, uh, anchor news anchor. And it didn't actually crash into the ground. It got caught in electrical wires. Yeah. (laughs) Which again, you got to figure it yeah, that doesn't do a lot for your faith in flying. So some people said it was after that event, she went and got her license. Other people say, no, she had her license before that particular event. I'm not sure which is true. You know, it's funny though, when you come out of a situation like that, I wonder, do you come out of that with like, well, I'm clearly invincible or (laughs) do you go, somebody's got it out for me. (laughs) Now, when she did start to fly though, the coolest thing was, is that she ended up, uh, making an attempt to go from New York to Moscow, which is awesome. Yeah. Right. Like an amazing trip. Unfortunately, uh, she only got as far as Denmark because the Russians were like, Nope, we're not giving you a visa to come in. (laughs) And she's like, like she could have made it. It would have been amazing, but they were just like, no, 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 you're not doing it. So, well, what are you going to do? Even when she was blocked, she making that trip from New York to Denmark, made her only the fourth female aviator to make that, uh, make that trip in a single engine plane. That is crazy. I now, had it, read that she got the aviator of the year award in 1970. Oh, wow. I could not find anywhere that said if that was true and what association would have given it to her or anything of that nature. So I don't, I read that, but I have nothing else to, to go along with it. Now I do think it's interesting that, she also directed episodes of mash, uh, mostly because there is another mash connection, uh, from the very next episode after the cage. And that is, uh, on, uh, uh, where no man has gone before. Yes. We have Dr. Daner. Is, yes. uh, uh, Dr. 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 Daner. Daner. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Susan Daner. And, we're going to have another connection, though it will take a couple of decades, because the original original Father Mulcahy was played by Rene Abergenois, who yep. will play Odo in Deep Space Nine. And we have, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but Major, Mar- Major Barrett's love interest on Next Gen, 
who ended up having to, or who decided that he was at the end of his life and David Ogden Steers. David Ogden Steers. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, I totally spaced that part there, man. Mash connections left and right. So Talk I about a weird point, thing. kind of have to ask, you know, why is Ellen Alda hate Star Trek so much that he's never been in it? It is true. It's, <laughs> it's well-known fact. Alan Alda hates Star Trek. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we love Alan Alda. He's awesome. Right. So it doesn't take long for Pike to figure out that, uh, you know, this is an illusion. He's like, I don't, I don't buy it. It doesn't pass the smell test. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they, he, he chases her into the castle because he's really got no other choice than to follow her. So I, I guess. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. He's yeah. Like, well, yeah. I can either stand here or follow whatever. So anyway, so we go back out to Spock and he's like, so just so you know, like the Lozians <laughs> are doing this, right? <laughs> I just love that. Everybody's like, yeah, we're, we're not idiots, dude. We got it. <laughs> but just to nail it, Kirk had just like, so they had control over all of that. Yeah, dude. Thank you for, for keeping up with us. <laughs> it is the, so the shot weird. they didn't have was, you know, during at one point, you know, Kirk's looking down at his phone, you know, cause <laughs> right. So anyway, the, the it was kind of cool though. They still kept the video running while we were in that room. So like in the background, you could still see it going, yes. um, which I mean, that, that was kind of cool. I actually wonder if uh, the original was like that, if it was just the remaster. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So um, I, I can't take credit for this, but th- this point we do have to take one thing and think about it. Cause it'll blow your freaking mind. <laughs> I read this, but it's not, it's not me. But at one point while we're watching this, we're watching television and watching the court at the same time they're watching the Telosians on tv who are then also watching pike's memory on tv it's just so meta it's it's, tv watch tv watch tv watch tv (laughs) it's it's like the uh, television version of inception (laughs) (laughs) anyway it just made me happy I, i i read that and then i was i was watching it i was like Oh man, it really does happen. <laughs> anyway. Then I called the youngins out of the yard and said, Hey, you got to watch this. <laughs> I don't know why that was like that. Anyway. So yeah. we go back to Rigel seven and they're in a courtyard and all of a sudden they start hearing this horrible snarling noise and they're like, Oh no, what could that be? And it's a tall guy. <laughs> Now, what'd she call She called him a Kalar. Is that what she named him? Kalar. When, okay. You know, as canon goes, the Kalar are the inhabitants of uh, Rigel Seven. Uh, we did see in the Strange New Worlds version that the Kalar warriors were the ruling class, at least at that time. And the Kalar peasants were people who were basically slaves. Um, so it made, it, it still kind of fits with canon that this guy's a Kalar. Um, this the, is a big one. I will admit, though, that in Strange New Worlds, the Kalars, you know, they could talk. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't walk around snarling like a dog. <laughs> this is a dude who didn't keep his hat on. 
because those hats were supposed to protect him from the radiation that made him right. stupid. That's this really is the dude is. who did not keep his hat on. This he is this completely is, this forgotten like, everything. This is this is the like the dude in in uh, Naked Now who you know I'm in a uh, I'm in a hazmat suit, but I'm just going to go ahead and take off my glove and wipe my nose. You know, yep, it's one of those exactly. like there's only one thing you're not supposed to do. There's just <laughs> one thing you're not supposed to do. And yeah, that, Taylor, that dude did it. We wear our hats. That's what we do. <laughs> anyway, speaking of hats, he's wearing a giant fur cap that is a good foot above his head. It looks uh, very ill-fitting. I watching this again. I want one of these. If I'm right? going to cosplay as anything, I want that hat. <laughs> okay. So looking at this thing, I thought it was really cool because as you're, if you look carefully, that is a Roman centurion helmet. Yes. From a movie set that has been, that somebody has put fur all over it. <laughs> it kind of has looked like they had like a beach ball worked in there. So oh, man. <laughs> oh, good. And he's wearing fur pants and uh, a fur shirt. And he's got one fur boot and one fabric boot. A little weird, but whatever. <laughs> and he's carrying around. He's, I believe he has a shield and a club. Yes. And he just is walking around and snarling. He doesn't appear to actually be looking for anything. He's just kind of <laughs> snarl, snarl, walk, walk, snarl, snarl, walk, walk. It's real weird. And while he's walking around, Venus telling Pike, you got to get him in the back. You got to, you got to, you got to get him in the back. You got to step him back. That's what you do. And, and I'm getting this whole thing is like, this is one of those girls was like, you know, if she's your girlfriend, it's like, I want you to beat that guy up for me. <laughs> right. Totally. And I, again, to his credit, Pike is like, why would I do that? This is all <laughs> fake. There's no reason for me to play this game. <laughs> and so Vina's like, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll start. <laughs> she picks something up and she, I think it's a mace, isn't it? She, well, she first knocks over the spear. That oh, that's right. the attention of the dude because she does the whole, the whole uh, Lord of the Rings thing where, you know, the, the thing goes down the well and, uh, yeah, and but the, it, it wasn't uh, quite like that because she was totally like bump, Oops, sorry. <laughs> I seem to have knocked something over. <laughs> so yeah, Pike pushes her out of the way and then he grabs a mace. That's right. He a grabs very a short handled mace and he eventually grabs a shield that looks a lot like the shield that Dr. McCoy is going to use in a episode when they're fighting in the Roman gladiator fights. Yep. In many episodes from now. Um, and so he's basically coming at them after he hears Vina knock over stuff. He's coming back up them. Chris is trying to fight him and trying to get the high ground. Cause Hey, Obi-Wan Kenobi tells you get the high ground. That's true. But he just ends up going up the stairs with the thing following him. And now he puts the, the sword in his chest and it looks like, okay, you might have a good position here, but Pike is really not good with hand to hand combat. Okay, Weapons. can I just talk about the irony of this situation? Christopher Pike is going up a hill trying to keep a bad guy away from him. And what is he using to push back on that bad guy? A giant pike. Ooh. It made me happy. Ooh. Now, granted, Ooh. that giant pike had a giant rubber blade on it <laughs> that was bent against the guy's chest. But this is Star Trek, and there's no coincidences in Star Trek. So, I mean, that has to have further meaning. You're You're going to... Originally, his name was Captain Christopher Smith. <laughs> After this battle on Rigel 7, he became Christopher Pike. 
You call me Pike now. <laughs> anyway, originally he was called the Pike and they were like, well, we can drop the, the, cause he's a captain and all. Anyway. So he, uh, and then they start just throwing crap at the guy, which like, <laughs> I, I guess there's a bunch of stuff to throw at him. And, and he keeps they, they like Philadelphia Eagles fans. They really do. <laughs> they just start looking <laughs> stuff at him. The thing is, is that I, I feel bad for the guy. He's just walking around. I mean, yes, his dialect is a little rough to a human's ear, but all he was saying was, where did I put my glasses? And then he follows them up the hill because clearly these nice people are trying to show him where his glasses are. And they start throwing things at him. And he's like, please, sir, would you kindly stop throwing things at me? Which in Kralar is pronounced. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So the other thing that I love about this is clearly every weapon is made of rubber and they're all comically large. Yes. (laughs) So they tussle around a little bit. Pike gets knocked onto the ground at the low ground again, and he picks up a quote unquote knife and throws it at the Kalar, eventually finishing him off. But the the knife that he throws looks like it was out of a, uh, somebody drew it for Peter Pan. Like it's, (laughs) I have to say cross that's sharp, you know? Pike is a, I mean, I'm surprised at how efficient Pike is at throwing knives. I will say that. I mean, if I had tried to do that, it, it would have gone, you know, three feet in the other direction. And, and the fact well, that when, right when the back. new uh, um, Starfleet Academy show comes out, you'll see they have an entire course they have to take on knife throwing. <laughs> it's it's it, a really, it's a required course. It would make more, it would make sense. It would explain a lot. Right now, what they don't have is a pike class, which is why it was so cool that he he got this guy with a pike. Just saying. Now, when he he hits the knife, because the scalar is slapping around Vina, Pike hits him in the back. The scalar turns around and obviously is going to jump down on Pike because Pike's on the ground lower than him. So Pike grabs this metal Christmas tree. And stands it against the ground right before the KLR jumps. And the KLR jumps right on top of the thing. And that's the end of the KLR. I mean, you say jump. It was more like a cowboy fall. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. It was totally like, you know, oh, you shot me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that. There wasn't a lot of leaping in there. It was more pummeling or plummeting. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's a terrible way to, to treat Lurch. I, I don't think he deserved that. <laughs> anyway, so he, he dies. And as soon as he dies, they're like, okay, let's try Let's something else. See. Right. <laughs> so they're back in the showcase and she's like, let's hug. And I'm thinking, okay, again, I just met you and you're clearly like evil. All right. <laughs> I'm not I'm really, I don't want to cuddle. Okay. <laughs> but I'm blonde and I'm 18. No, you're not. You're like 36, and I'm pretty sure that's a wig. I'm anyway. blonde, and I say I'm 18. There you go. <laughs> anyway, that doesn't matter. It's still, she's evil. <laughs> but yeah, she goes to hug him, and then it's like stops really quick because then she sees like the, the you know three pervy keepers like hanging out outside of the uh, of the cage, all kind of staring at them. And when they figure right. when they figure out no action is happening, they just turn around in the elevator and take off. Notice the, the humans are now hugging. How delightful. Let us take off now. Gross. 
So I don't know. It, it it was it was a little weird. She is like, I just I love you so much. Everything's wonderful. Let's be together. And he's like, we just met. I don't know if I'm really okay with this. Um, and at that point, the video stops, and we go back out to the court martial, and we see that Christopher Pike is passing out. And <laughs> Commodore Mendez is just all over Spock as far as. What's going on? Why aren't you telling me more stuff? I want to know. You don't. You can't keep stuff from me. We need to figure this out all right now. And Spock's just like, yeah, well, I don't one, know what to tell you. One clarification. Future Christopher Pike in his wheelchair has fallen asleep. And the Tolosians kill the video feed. I'm Thank like, you. Christopher Pike fell asleep. He was just <laughs> talking to the girl. No. <laughs> Christopher Pike in the future in the wheelchair is like, uh, you know what? This is boring. They're never going to hug more. And he goes to sleep. And then the Telosians are like, oh, we better pause the video because, you know, it's rude to let it play after he's fallen asleep. I, I'm pretty sure he wanted to watch this with you guys. I don't think you want to go forward before. Beforehand. <laughs> right? I'm just telling you, it gets really ugly if you go beforehand with other, exactly. when other people are watching. Listen, if you look over and you see your partner has fallen asleep on the couch, you pause the video. That's just <laughs> polite. <laughs> um, so this is the part that Jim actually figures out, wait, they actually like care about Pike. They actually like have concern for him. And, and Spock's like, yeah, that's part of what's going on here. And Mendez is like, well, you need to tell us everything right now. You need to tell us exactly what's going on. And you aren't in a position to not tell us. And Spock is like, well, no, nothing's really changed. I'm not giving up the ship and we're Spock's continuing like, to uh-huh. do this. <laughs> And he's like, but, but I'm your boss. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so everybody gets done going to the bathroom and they decide to put the movie back on. <laughs> it's me and Pike wake there. up in what it looks like an Apple store bathroom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Pike is trying to figure out if Vina is real or not. She's trying to tell him, you know, I can, whatever you want, I can do. Um, it's yeah, not as it's, impressive as the woman on cat's paw though, who actually changes her outfits and goes in that Oompa Loompa onesie that she thinks that Kirk is going to be into the single best outfit that was ever on star Trek. <laughs> Seriously, folks look up the outfits on cat's paw. So amazing. <laughs> Man, that's, that's well, I don't know. When Hutch of Starsky and Hutch was dressed as an Oompa Loompa, that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, Anytime they look like Oompa Loompas, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. <laughs> ooh, ooh, um, Michael uh, Michael McKeon, redheaded guy, Michael McKeon. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Michael McKeon really? dressed as the Jester in uh, a whole on yes. Voyager. Yes. That was real good. <laughs> Right. I totally forgot about that until he posted a picture recently on Twitter. Oh, did he? Like, oh, oh man. man. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> now, here's the thing they really miss, though, because she's going through the whole thing. I can be any woman. I can be. And this is a golden opportunity. If we're in the 80s, we could add a pop song here, and she could have, you like, spun around and turned into a different woman, different outfit every time. And then you see Christopher Pike give, like, the thumbs down or thumbs up. Oh, yeah. That'd be really good. Like it, it just it fits so well in there. Hey, lower decks, are you listening? <laughs> lower decks, people, this is what we need. 
Now, granted, Cat's Paw kind of did that. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, they how about this one? How about this one? They were just missing the, you know, the catchy pop tune. <laughs> right? Oh, well. So Vina's like, hey, listen, let's let's try something else. You're you're clearly not getting this. Let's do something else. What do you say? And I, I don't know. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Pike's like, listen, lady, no. I'm in a cave with a plexiglass wall on one side. I've kind of got things on my mind. Exactly. So then to illustrate what else is on his mind, we go back out to the surface and we've got number one, getting ready to blow some stuff up. Oh yeah. It's the big phaser, baby. So they done rolled a pickup truck out there and it's got the big old gun (laughs) right in the back. And they aim that sucker. Mm -hmm. So So earlier they talked about how they were going to re or they were going to divert power from the warp uh, core directly to this phaser on the planet. I, now, none of this makes any sense according to any kind of canon whatsoever, <laughs> but or, well, I mean, it makes sense for this canon, but not, not canon canon. Uh, so <laughs> somehow this thing's going to be a real big boom, but the best part about it is they've got this giant gun pointed at the elevator that, that they took Pike in and everybody's wearing these amazing goggles. <laughs> I love the goggles. Okay. I couldn't find anything. I tried so hard to do a deep dive on the stupid goggles, mostly because it's a stupid thing to do a deep dive on, but cause it was awesome <laughs> and I couldn't find anything. But my favorite, favorite thing about these stupid goggles is everybody who's in this away team, as they get ready to shoot the laser and they put on their goggles, they have them around their necks. Like you do, you wear a pair of goggles hanging around your neck. And they put them up over their eyes. But when they do, the straps go under their ears. Yes. And it's so distracting. <laughs> Welcome to the future, baby. Right? Welcome to the future. Your goggles <laughs> could flip down your face at any moment. <laughs> it's so weird. But I, I, I swear, I was just, I was so taken out of the moment. Because I'm like, that's that's not right. You're, you're wearing those wrong. That's going to be really <laughs> uncomfortable. Those are going to fall off. Well, come on, do it right. <laughs> anyway. I might have a little bit of ADD. I don't know. <laughs> I did like though that they're using uh, broadcast power because I thought somewhere Nikola Tesla is looking down and going, "Yeah, that's the way you do it, wireless right? baby." And somewhere there's a family of pigeons going, "Don't fly over there." Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they fire the sucker up and it makes all kinds of crazy noise and lots of smoke and doesn't do a darn thing. Looks cool. <sighs> now <laughs> they did do something that I didn't notice before. So I made real fun of Christopher Lloyd in star Trek, uh, three, three because he just refused to stop shouting at the sky, uh, <laughs> to, instead of using his communicator. Um, I made a lot of fun of him for that. And Majel Barrett did the exact same thing here. She was ready for them to disengage. She put her communicator down and shouted up into the air, disengage. (laughs) It was so good. And and they didn't show you the scene from the other side. It's like, man, you can hear her all the way up here. (laughs) Man, number one's got some pipes on her, right? My goodness. Anyway. the, the whole thing goes and she's like, you know what? That should have worked. We should have just sheared that whole top of that mountain off. And, and Dr. Boyce is what it was like. 
guys, I was trying to explain this to you back on the ship. It's all BS. Right. All of this is BS. All of it. Hey, nobody's going to listen to that drunk. <laughs> so we go back to Pike and he's like, you got to tell me more stuff. And she's like, but I want to hug. And he's like, well, tell me more stuff then. <laughs> so exposition time. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. We find out they ruined their planet. They all live underground. They really, really need entertainment because they all live underground. <laughs> and they just watch other people. And I assume other creatures, they didn't really show any other creatures. So I assume. So in the cage, we saw them, but mm-hmm. in the menagerie, we do not. Yeah. That's because in the menagerie, they're supposed to be a little more sympathetic in the cage. We're supposed to hate their guts. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. So basically uh, this, I did, I did also really, really like the throwaway line uh, where she's like, listen, if you're, not co-op or if you uh blah, blah, blah. they can punish you if you're not cooperative you'll learn about that you'll find out about that later <laughs> like, <laughs> wait what hang on a sec i don't hear about that now that's a big deal <laughs> and pike's like yeah whatever <laughs> that, that's kind of like taking a job interview it's like well we'll be cutting off your arm but we'll, we'll talk about that later <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> what <laughs> So now it turns into a cautionary tale about TikTok because all these aliens basically forgot how to do their jobs and all they do is sit around and peek on people's brains now. It's true. It's true. And Pike's (laughs) like, "Um, there's only one reason I can figure that we're here. Are are we supposed to make babies? Is that what's going on here? We're we're supposed to mate? And she's like, "Um, well, I didn't say that. (laughs) And he's like, well... And um, then the, are you sure? And then she's like, ah, <laughs> ow, ow, and then she disappears. And because the keeper is a misogynist, misogynistic jerk, he punishes her naked because her dress is still there. Yeah. It's kind of messed up. Yeah. That's a Roddenberry bit right there. Right. I can hear it now. You know, what would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but at least now Pike has kind of a pillow. So that's nice. <laughs> So we're back on the enterprise, the new enterprise, not the old enterprise. And Mendez is there and he's like, you know, um, yeah, totally. They were going to breed him, weren't they? (laughs) Spock tells him, no, man, it's so much deeper than that. There's so many more layers. You can hear the Telosians from the planet going, no, it's really not much better than that. (laughs) Pretty much it. (laughs) He nailed it. So Pike is once again trying to get out of this stupid plexiglass cell. And he's like, did you hear that? As one of the panels slightly maybe moves a little. I don't know. They just made a noise. Uh, Whatever. And he's like (laughs) jumps down and immediately starts going into slide the panel move. The slide the panel move always strikes me as like, what are you doing? Like imagine one of your friends walking up as you're trying desperately with all your might to slide a panel. <laughs> Nobody looks cool doing that. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, are you having a seizure? What is wrong with you? I, I like the idea that whoever is feeding him is like the laziest Telosian around because he doesn't even bother trying to make an illusion to distract him, to put the stuff in there. No, he just throws it in there. Yep. That's true. <laughs> it's like, don't you want to make an illusion? Nah. Nah. Yeah. Well, so the uh, they, they put a little drink in there. And he's like, hey, 
you're going to drink that. And Pike's yeah. like, I don't want to drink it. <laughs> well, you're going to drink it. Well, I don't want to drink it. <laughs> and the keeper's like, you know what? Fine. Fire. And so now he's in a lake of fire. Oh, yeah. So the special effects in this are pretty good, right? Yes. All of a sudden, there's a fire overlay in front of him and behind him. Behind him. And he's in a lake of lava that appears to be like oatmeal in red <laughs> juice of some sort. It's real weird. It looked like he was on something that should have been on Double Dare. And he's all covered in stuff. He's like, ah! <laughs> and then he's back to normal. Everything's fine. And again, the keeper's like, from a fable you heard in childhood. I'm thinking, what freaking fable are they telling this kid in childhood? Right? Remember Cinderella and the Lake of Lava? Yeah. <laughs> and then, because Little Red Riding Hood could find, could find her grandmother, she burned the house to the ground. <laughs> Little Boy Blue, come blow your horn. Little Boy Blue, you're on fire. <laughs> Somebody ought to do something about that. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so Pike is like, okay, I know you can control my mind, but you can't make me hungry. And the keeper's like, how did he figure that out? <laughs> but you know what? I can make you feel bad stuff. How do you like them apples? Yeah, he's just like, either eat things that are even more unpleasant from the depths of your mind. And I'm thinking, okay, this is getting close to the plot to Mystery Science Theater at this point. Right. <laughs> we have movie sign! <laughs> Don't make me pull out Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already had the director from Mitchell on, so I mean... <laughs> So Pike is like, enough of this. And he jumps up and throws himself in the glass again, which I mean, it makes the keeper flinch, but okay. He flinched. So what, you know, does he get two punches? Like, what? Uh, it's like but now he knows, Hey, you know what? He didn't see that coming for nah. some reason. When I threw myself against the glass that time, he was startled. So why didn't he know that I was coming? Because all the other times he was like, look, he's going to throw himself against the plexiglass. That's true. And he keeps on going. So maybe you can't read uh, violent thoughts. And the keeper's just like, well, yeah, the girl crashed here a long time ago. And it's like, and maybe if I keep anger, I will be able to. And so, you know, we kept her around here and, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's totally like. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> my lawyer has advised me that we can't discuss this. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I think I know what's going on here. You want me to think about that girl. You want me to fall in love with that girl. You want me to breed with that girl. And you don't want just more of us. You want an entire community. Of human beings? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> they'll think I'm a bad keeper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what if this were a time hoodie? <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh 
I've used that line so much. My wife is currently in process of ordering hoodies for a school event. Every time she says hoodie, all I can think is, would this hoodie were a time hoodie? Oh, my God. Anyway. Look to your dad, Craig. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Pike is all like, hey, here's the deal. You can just punish me. It's fine. Don't punish the girl. I've known her for an hour and a half, and I don't think it's cool that you punish her. And the keeper's like, ha yes, I was right. You love her. (laughs) Somebody has a girlfriend. Somebody (laughs) has a girlfriend. So suddenly, Pike's outside again because, hey. He he gave up the ghost. He he explained what was going on, and now we have some of the best television ever. <laughs> so we're gonna set the scene. Pike is in a grassy field. I mean, it's astroturf on a set, but still, it's a grassy <laughs> field. And there is Vina in the background, at, setting up a picnic. And she's like, "Hi, how's it going?" There are two horses in the background. These two horses are some of our favorite characters of all. First off is Mary Lou, the timid one who doesn't get any attention. And we don't really find out her name until somebody puts it on memory alpha. (laughs) And then we have Tango. All right. Tango is a hundred percent. One of my favorite Twitter accounts. I don't know if Tango listens to our show. If you do shout out because Tango's uh, Twitter account is absolutely awesome. It is at Pike's horse. So much fun. Read it. One of the most wholesome accounts about Star Trek on the on the internet. I love it. Anyway, so Pike is dressed in all denim. Oh, <laughs> I, I love the fact that despite the fact that Sears is going to go bankrupt, that Tuskins are still going to be around 500 years from now. So here's the thing. I did another deep dive. Also stupid. This one was because I thought a random thought in my head was rude and nasty to people. And I wasn't sure if that was the case. So I had to look it up. So we see that, that uh, Pike is actually wearing a Canadian tuxedo. And I thought to myself, that's just me. I shouldn't say that. I, it's like making fun of Canadians. That's not okay. And then I did the reading on it and found out, no, in fact, it is a point of pride. And the reason why is because back in 1951, Bing Crosby was on a hunting trip and he went into a Vancouver hotel. I couldn't find the name of the the hotel, but he went into the hotel and he's wearing dungarees or Levi's dungarees specifically. And he's wearing a denim shirt and he's, you know, been out in the country. So he's not exactly, you know, clean and fresh walks up to the counter to get a key to his room. And they're like, sir, we have a certain level of dress in this hotel. We're going to have to ask you to leave. And he's like, seriously? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, you got to leave. So he turns around and he starts walking out. I have no idea if he threw a fit, made a big snit about things or what. I don't know. But he turned around and left. And the bellhop on the way out the door was like, you guys know that's Bing Crosby, right? (laughs) (laughs) So they kind of laughed the whole thing off and they're like, oh, we're so sorry, you know, blah, 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 whatever. So he tells this story a couple times and it makes its way back to executives at Levi Strauss. So Levi Strauss thinks it's a cool story. So they, they go out and they make him a 
tuxedo suit or a tuxedo jacket out of denim. <laughs> and we're talking 1950s, very stiff, dark blue <laughs> denim that is white on the inside. Right. So this suit jacket's fantastic. It is a Western style tuxedo cut. So it's, it's very much almost like what you would see a cowboy wearing. Like it's, it's a, it's a short coat, you know, whatever, but it's got huge lapels and the lapels are just the denim inside out. And so it is just like <laughs> dark, dark blue with bright white. And, uh, so they present this to him in, uh, at a ceremony in Elko, Nevada. Now Elko, Nevada also happens to be where he was the honorary mayor. Okay, so he's yes. up on stage doing this whole thing and they present him with this suit jacket. And so there's a great shot of him wearing, like starched blue jeans, this jacket and a white cowboy hat. It is such a funny look. But the funny thing is, is that this story has morphed enough over the years that it also turns out it's kind of a a bit of Canadian pride that on Canada day, people go out in their Canadian tuxedo and they wear denim jackets with denim pants. And it's just kind of a thing. So I, I, I thought that this was kind of a BS story and that I was reading about it on CBC and they were like, no, this is, this is Canadian pride. Everybody go out in your Canadian tuxedo. So anyway, the, the, it made me think about it. Cause I saw somebody online talking about this scene as well and talking about how he was in his Canadian tuxedo. And I was like, I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> anyway. You racist. Oh wait. <laughs> right. Anyway. So in the background, we can also see, a futuristic city, which really <laughs> looks like some of the, the pre drawings of Epcot that Disney was doing. Um, it, it looks a little bit weird. That, that one uh, structure too looks almost exactly like the, uh, the structure at LAX. Yeah. The, the, um, the arch or whatever the, the multi arch control, Not whatever that thing is air traffic control. Yeah. LAX. Yeah, totally. Um, and this is supposed to be, uh, uh, Mojave, Mojave, California, which wishes it ever looked that green. (laughs) (laughs) And of course the remaster looks like something out of the wizard of Oz. Like after, (laughs) after they turn the color on. Yes. (laughs) It's so good. They're thereby showing us that, you know, in the future we will water the desert. Yeah. Yeah. With plastic, (laughs) which I mean, I have a plastic front yard and backyard. So Maybe they were right. (laughs) (laughs) It all starts here, man. Exactly. So Pike's like, Hey, Bina, come on. Seriously. We're going to, we're going to go here to Mojave. Actually, that's not true. First he, he goes up to to Tango and he's like, Hey Tango, I love you, buddy. I missed you Tango. And Tango's like, Hey, you got any sugar cubes? And he's like, I'm sorry. I don't have anything. Oh wait, what's this in my pocket? They even gave me sugar cubes. <laughs> so Pika uh, comes back to Bina and still hits the interrogation. Okay, they want us humans here, and they must build colony. But you know, why do they want that? And she's like, "Can't you just enjoy yourself? Can't you take a day off and just enjoy yourself?" He's and like, he says, "No, we're in a menagerie, a cage." <laughs> Which worked out perfectly because that happens right? to be the name of both the original episode and this episode. I see what he did. Weird. There. That was really good. Way to there. go, Pike. Yes, man. <laughs> this is why we like him best. This is why he's the best captain. 
but she does go ahead and um, she confirms that the Delosians are basically a bunch of snowflakes and they can't handle negative thoughts or uh, any sort of violent thoughts or anything of that nature. Mm. <laughs> she explains that uh, basically for her, she tried to fight them, um, but unfortunately, I mean, they just kept on fooling her and they just wore her down and, and she just could no longer, you know, keep up the level of resistance that she needed to, to not be totally nuts. Yeah. It kind of weirds me out though, that like their whole thing was, we found a girl who's been crash landed and she's boy crazy. So we're going to work <laughs> on that until we get a plan together. <laughs> but then she gets this weird idea. Cause she's like, you know what? You really should take a day off, but I get it. This is all just kind of the normal stuff that you do. You're a starship captain. You want to think about things that you can't do. And we yeah. get the shimmer effect. And now we get one of the most iconic Star Trek scenes of all time. It's the also dancing one of the scene. easiest scenes of all time. <laughs> so let's set the scene. You're in a beautiful outdoor outdoor backyard. You're in a beautiful backyard. Of course it's outdoors. Otherwise it would be, you know, the living room. Anyway, you're in a beautiful backyard. It's got a pool. It's got these gorgeous topiaries and there's like a weird wall that probably is hiding the next soundstage. And there's three men who are having a nice little, like we're eating snacks and drinking and there's a band playing. And what's that right in the middle? An Orion slave woman. <laughs> this is the iconic green woman of Star Trek. And she yeah. is dancing very provocatively in what appears to be like, as you said, some sort of, there's a nice pool there. Who are the guys? That's what always bugs me too. Well, the Telosians okay. are making these people up. Who are the two dudes? So I did a little bit of searching on this and there's not really a whole lot of information. So one of the guys is actually referred to as space officer and he's wearing a, okay, here's the challenge. Everybody go to a convention wearing the sleazy officer's tunic. It is a Brown tunic with the, uh, with the Federation logo on it. I, I don't know what ship it is, but it's got a ship's logo on it. <clears throat> And just walk around like that. It's like a, a brown tunic. that's like a little bit reflective and he's got a brown t-shirt underneath <laughs> and just kind of walk around all day being smarmy and see if anybody, <laughs> there's going to be that one person who's like, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> right. And nobody else is going to get it, but it'll be worth it for that one person. Um, but he is referred to as space officer. He is played by none other than Robert Phillips who had kind of a middling career. You probably didn't see him on much, but most importantly, he was in the MST three K favorite Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell. He was the police chief in Mitchell. Oh, which oh, if you have not seen Mitchell so much for that, don't watch Mitchell by itself. Watch mystery science theater 3000 doing Mitchell. Yes. Then you'll understand just how sweaty this guy is. <laughs> Anyway, so that's, that is space officer. He is just a guy. There's also space trader who is the other guy. 
like seriously, I'm trying to look up information about these two was like, there's a guy sitting there. They were uncredited. <laughs> I, I think we have our next uh, Star Trek spinoff. There's a guy sitting there. <laughs> the space trader and space officer. The adventures of space officer and space trader. <laughs> See the sleazy, the sleazy side of Star Trek universe. Right. I mean, eh. <laughs> anyway, also, what in God's name is Pike wearing? I love this. I want this so bad. It's seriously, it looks like he he pulled a Scarlet O'Hara and cut the curtains down. And I don't know what the metal thing is he's wearing around his neck. It the metal thing looks very uncomfortable. Right? It looks like somebody took a bowl that you would see somebody put like giant pieces of potpourri in or something. Or you know we're going to see those again. Hmm. The Klingons in Discovery. Oh, they are all wearing those bejeweled, painful. Yeah, necklaces, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just dawned on me. It's like, I've seen those things before. Yeah, the Klingons in Discovery are wearing that same thing. Oh, you might be right, actually. There's some prop guy out there right now going, oh, you figured it out. <laughs> but I love it's He's got these silk pajamas that are teal with a purple silk cloak. It's it's awesome. It's quite yeah. a look. I mean, if I'm I mean, co- if I'm going to cosplay, I'm cosplaying that. Yeah, if you if you cosplayed in that, I, I think that one you might have a couple people that'd be like, oh, I, I see what you did there. <laughs> but you wear space officer's uniform. I'm telling you, nobody's getting out. <laughs> there were never any brown officers. Oh, really? <laughs> I am brown, space brown officer tunics for officers. <laughs> no, that came out real bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, so Kirk speaks up and he's like, hey, I, we, we, we saw her before. <laughs> now all of a sudden, that's Kirk that woman interested. that was in that other thing. <laughs> right. Kirk's like, oh, you have my attention now. <laughs> I've seen her in something else. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. And then Mendez, like as if the space officer and space trader oh. weren't creepy and gross enough. Oh. Mendez is like, hey, you know what I heard? <laughs> I heard that Orion females, their savagery is crazy. No human can resist them. They're like animals. animals. Like, seriously, well, first of dude? all, they are technically animals. But second of all, dude. Yeah. It kind of seems that when, when Earth solve some of its racism on earth they just go ahead and decide to apply it to the rest of the universe then okay 100 percent, that's gonna happen <laughs> when we eventually get off this planet and start cruising the galaxy the first aliens we find we're gonna be like "Ooh, they're different gross because that's who we are <laughs> and we'll say things like they're savages and like animals <laughs> well no we'll find more inventive ways to say that because it won't be the sixties anymore, but yeah, it'll be gross, but okay. Here's the thing though. But if we end up finding green women, won't, won't all of the money we sunk into NASA really have been worth it? No, no. <laughs> Although. Okay. So it's funny that you say that because legitimately um, there was stories about when she was wearing this makeup. Um, there was an, I, uh, was it a wardrobe supervisor? I think it was one of the wardrobe supervisors. She told a story about how um, when Susan Oliver would walk around the set that people would deal with her differently when she was wearing the makeup. 
that really? she would walk on set. She'd have people like being real nice to her and like treating her very politely and stuff. And, and just like, you know, interacting with her as if she was a beautiful woman who was also a TV star. And then when she put on the makeup and she was all dressed in green, she would come out acting completely normal, just walking around on the set. Apparently a lot of the men on set acted kind of like, you know, seventh graders at a dance. Like mm-hmm. they, she was just scary and really mysterious and they didn't want to go anywhere near her and didn't want to talk to her cause they were nervous and scared. And the, this, this uh, wardrobe supervisor was just like, yeah, it was the most bizarre thing that if she would put on that makeup, everybody treated her like she was evil and scary and mysterious. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a, an interesting thing about that. And she yeah. was like, yeah, the green paint really does something to the men for some reason. <laughs> it was a weird thing. Anyway. Well, then, then the green paint is also part of the story of they kept on uh, putting more green paint on her and they kept on getting the dailies back. And it's like, it's hardly showing up. It doesn't even look like anything. It took them how many, three or four times before they found out that the uh, processing lab was correcting. Cause they're like, man, this woman looks green. We need to do something. <laughs> <on this film." laughs> so they kept color correcting and sending it back. It's so good. <laughs> I, I, I just, I love the idea that they got it back and they're like, I, okay, she was green, right? <laughs> you guys all saw that, right? Somebody needed to put a little post-it note on there. Woman is supposed to be green and then send the film off to process. Right. So Pike is like, I mean, green lady, that's, that's cool and all, but I'm still not buying this. So he wanders off to go find the bathroom for some reason. And he <laughs> heads down a hallway and I, Again, every single time I watch any derivation of the cage, I end up checking my audio equipment to find out what's broken because he walks into this room and it's like a little cave style room. And all of a sudden the sound goes completely dead. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he turns around and the door's gone. And every time I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) They cut off all the sound. And it just, it's like 30 seconds of like, did I? Did I do something? Did I sit on the remote or something? Well, it's also on? that music that they have playing during that is is kind of it's kind of hard to miss. It's loud and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's not easy going. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so he turns around, and the door's gone, so he's now trapped. There's no way anyone's getting in or out of this room, which is very odd considering suddenly Vina's there <laughs> and. And is she standing on something? Because all of a sudden she's like eight inches taller than him. I mean, Orion slave women are really tall. Apparently I guess. All right. I yeah, know. that would. Okay. I'll buy that. And she's like, Hey, Hey, we're all alone. And I'm green. <laughs> what do you say? The look on Pike's face is like, no. <laughs> and the look I'm, on her face is, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, it's not a choice, Pike. So we go back to old Enterprise. Number one and Spock are like, so um, we we know there's caves down there. Should we try to like beam down? And Spock's like, I don't think there's actually caves. I'm just saying. <laughs> you remember the whole lesson that we had to do that? Drunk boxes, there's no caves. <laughs> 
Something I love about the transporter room, though, and I can't get out of my head now, is that we mentioned that the transporter console is actually the bridge navigation helm console. Mm -hmm. And now I just have this image of every time they have to transport somebody, like four guys go up to the bridge and have to lift that table <laughs> and put it in the elevator, bring it down, put it in the transporter room. And, and I like the idea that Sulu is just sitting in the corner, like, I keep stealing my desk. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> I'm using that. <laughs> I also love that she decides she's going to ask for volunteers to go on this mission because it's real dangerous, but she waits to do that until she's got an entire away team packed <laughs> into the transporter room again. And she's like, okay, all you guys, whoever doesn't go with me is chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's like, I'm going to get you all in the room so I can do the walk, 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 walk sound. Right. <laughs> and they have uh, they have a new member to this away team that we haven't seen before. It is uh, Yeoman J.M. Colt, played by Laurel Goodwin. She's the uh, young redheaded uh, yeoman that's in there with them. Alex uh, Kurtzman, where is our Captain Colt series? Yeah, right. Um, she's, I mean, Laurel Goodwin's kind of an interesting character because she, or an interesting uh, person. She's not a character, she's a person. Sorry. Um, <laughs> she's a person she, who could uh, be. Yeah, right. Uh, she actually got her start in a movie with Elvis. Uh, she was in, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is that called? Crazy something. Um, girl crazy? Girl crazy, yeah. Oh, she was in girl okay. crazy with, uh, with Elvis. It was, uh, it was her first role, actually. And uh, she ended up getting into the, the main credits. Like she was, she was actually pretty uh, high up in the, in the ranking on that one. But apparently it didn't really pan out for her. She didn't get a whole lot of roles after that. And she ended up doing this bit part and she was on, technically she was on four episodes of Star Trek. Really? She was on two, if you count the menagerie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, she and, and Majel Barrett, they line up on the, on the transporter pad with all the men behind them and they say uh, energize. And when they energize, only the women go down and <laughs> best scene ever. <laughs> Spock's yelling of the line, the women. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Nimoy puts everything he's got into this and he <laughs> launches himself forward towards the, the two empty transporter pads in front of him and arms as wide as they can go. Shouts <laughs> the women as if nobody else noticed. <laughs> So good. Honestly, though, I, I have to admit, if he had not done that, I wouldn't have picked up that. Why did just the women transport? Like they didn't know either. Like I would have been like, okay, I'm waiting for the rest of the effect to happen. <laughs> so I think it was kind of necessary, but it was still weird. Um, so we go back down to the planet and uh, we find out where the women went as they <laughs> materialize in Pike's cage. While, uh, um, Vina is all over him. He's just standing, looking in the distance. She has her hands around him. Like she's doing some sort of like witchcraft thing. And it's just a little uncomfortable that as soon as the women show up, her first line is no, let me finish. Yeah, like, no, let me finish. Screamed into the air as loud as she can. Like, come <laughs> on. I, I understand what they were going for, but it came out gross. Yes, yes, it did. 
It's like, huh, okay, we'll just move on. <laughs> right. So Pike's like, uh, yeah, no. And what does he do? Like this scene just keeps getting grosser and grosser. Cause the first <laughs> thing he does is he rips open their jackets and reaches yes. inside. And I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Which and even takes Colt by surprise. Cause she's like, what are you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to find out later that she was like, Oh, <laughs> anyway. so okay, he takes the, the phasers out, which I love this scene because he's trying the phasers all the while, while he's keeping his hand in front of the end of the phaser. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to come up in a minute. Etiquette. We all know he has no hands anymore. Okay. Yes. He has blown his hands off and we will get to that. Also. I want to point out that when he opens their jackets, they are a hundred percent wearing army surplus belts that have been spray painted silver that their phasers are hanging on. <laughs> Later on, they're going to get those cool sash belts that they'll have for the rest of the series. But this, this is army surplus and it's so good. <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised there wasn't a silver canteen on there too. <laughs> So Pike takes the phasers and he figures out, okay, well, I can't do anything here. So I'm going to get really, really angry. So they don't know what my plan is. And he drops the phasers directly in front of the panel that he's pretty sure is a removable panel. Mm, yep. Well, at, at this point he knows it's a movable panel. Cause that's where he got his, his little, uh, aperitif from. Yes. Yes. So he definitely knows it's there. So he drops it and, uh, yeah. And he tells his, his fellow officers, okay, they can't read angry. So get mad, get really, really mad, get really, really mad. Yeah. And Fina's like, you know, I tried this and how long can you keep it up? You're going to get worn out. You're not going to be able to do this. And he's like, oh yeah, I downloaded the entire JJ Abrams star Wars trilogy and the last season of lost. So you know what? We're good for about six hours. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much I agree on the trilogy. I mean, it was okay. I'm just saying, I kind of like the last three. Just, just saying. But yeah, the last season of Lost, no, nobody deserves that. <laughs> I loved Lost so much. And it hurt me. It hurt me bad. Anyway, so Smoke Vina Monster. is like, what's it? Smoke Monster. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's a security system. That's the only thing I know about the show. That's literally the only thing I know about the show. I mean, you know, like half the show now. That, that's, that's pretty impressive. It's it's Smoke Monster and not Penny's Boat. Now you know everything. So Vina tells the yeoman, she's like, hey, listen, he's going to choose me. He's not going to choose you. And Yeoman's like, oh, I don't know about that. Like the look <laughs> on her face, like, uh-uh. <laughs> you could use a tuck here and there yourself, sister. Right? <laughs> now, Vina decides to start getting nasty with number one. That's something you don't do. I'm, <laughs> this I'm is pretty sure crazy. number one will mess you up. <laughs> and she starts by, okay, shall we calculate your true age, Vina? That's the first thing she pulls out of right? her bag. <laughs> And is like, um, so yeoman. <laughs> so the keeper walks out and he's like, Hey, Hey, uh, you, you, I brought you some more ladies. <laughs> Do you like any of these? Right. And he's like, let me tell you about the ladies. Yes. This one, this one is smart. This one's young and tough. And she has 
unusually high female drives. Oh man, Gene, dude, right? Um, and he tells he, he tells them flat out that the Yeoman Colt is also kind of into Pike and was really hoping that he would look her way. <laughs> Super creepy, but to her credit. J.M. Colt has the great look on her face like, oh, my God, don't tell him that. <laughs> so good. I, I do like when uh, when Pike starts to cuss out the keeper, the keeper comes back with wrong thinking is punishable. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to Florida, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the Telosians just stick all the humans in one cell and then just walk off and leave them figuring eh, they'll figure it out. Right. But People again, sleep, right? They have the laziest. Okay. We're going to have to pick up those phasers. So we're going to have to move that wall panel. We're not going to do any illusions whatsoever. We're just going to move the wall panel. Okay. Also, I, did nobody notice that Pike wasn't asleep? I know he's blocking your thoughts and all with his angry thoughts, but <laughs> if your thoughts are being blocked, maybe he's not sleeping. Just a lot, guys. <laughs> So, so Pike is all laid out on the bed and his arm is like dangling close to where the phasers are. <laughs> and when they reach in to grab it, he's like, gotcha. And grabs the guy's arm and he pulls him inside. And when he pulls him inside, he throws him onto the ground and the Telosian's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Pike puts his hands around his neck and he's like, I gotcha now. <laughs> <laughs> you can totally see that like when he pushes the guy down or the lady, I guess, down into the, the floor, the headpiece is getting pushed forward. Yes. And it's making this like gigantic unibrow pushing down on her eyes. Yes. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it was so good. Anyway, so then they turn the Telosian into a weird pig thing. And all I could think is like, did you think that was going to work? Like he already knows you guys lie about what you look like. <laughs> He's got his hands around your tiny little neck and you make yourself look like a pig thing just laying there. But what was the purpose? Maybe he'll forget it's me. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, what is that? Oh, scary. No, he just keeps on squeezing. <laughs> Stop this illusion or I'll twist your head off. Right. I love that line. It's it is a good line. I I tried using that line once. It didn't go well. <laughs> Apparently the judge wasn't amused. <laughs> so um, he, he he's holding on to him and the, the Telosian's like, hey, um, listen, I know you want to kill me. Like he's real slow like this. Listen, I know you want to kill me. And, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. But what if I blow up your ship? And Pike's like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. I, I, I give. <laughs> well, he basically, he, Vina's like, oh no, they can do it. And his whole thing is like, I'm going to bet they're not going to. Right. Where is it? Getting- I don't work out. That's where the rest of the people are. They're going to need. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm really confused on how you came to the conclusion that they weren't going to do that. Cause so far they've done pretty much everything they said they were going to do. Yeah, exactly. So Pike grabs the phaser and he's like, he points it at the guy and the guy's like, you already know those phasers don't work. And he's like, you know, I'm betting 
that these phasers actually do work. <laughs> I'm betting they just make us think they don't work. And he points it at the wall and he fires at the, at the wall and nothing happens. And he looks at the guy and he's like, I'll bet they really do work. Why don't you show me the truth? Or I'll test it on your face. <laughs> and suddenly he can see the hole in the wall. Now, I've watched this episode a couple times, and I got to say, I never thought about it before, <laughs> but if he fired that at that wall and it actually put a hole in the wall, he fired those phasers all over the place while he was testing them out. Yes. As you said, including into his hand. <laughs> He's destroyed <laughs> this room. Three of them are actually dead. He's actually blown his hand off. And there's a big slash across the wall. I'm sure. Like they should have shown all the places he fired those things. <laughs> anyway, so they're like, "Ooh, hole in a wall! Uh, let's get out of here!" And then the broadcast stops. Now this confuses me. Why? The broadcast stops, and we never find out why. The broadcast stops. The ship comes in the orbit. Mendez is just like, well, your video stopped, so we didn't get to see the end of your story. So let's just vote right now. They all vote guilty. This is just the part where they show all the other prisoners. (laughs) They, They vote guilty. And then the video just starts up again. Yeah. I didn't, this, this part is like, why did the video stop at any time? The only thing I can think of is for some reason, the Telosians needed a little extra brain power to get the ship into orbit properly. Well, I mean, that may have been the case, right? Cause after they, after they say that it's all, or that, or that he's guilty. And even Pike is like, yeah, he's totally guilty. <laughs> Which, I mean, to Pike's credit, Spock was trying to do a really nice thing for him. And Pike is like, ah, I'm still, I'm still an officer. I gotta be honest. So that, I mean, it was good, I guess. Yeah, so they, they snapped to the, to the bridge and we're like, oh, we're coming into orbit, which, you know, maybe going diddly-doo, diddly-doo, diddly-doo <laughs> is like really hard on the Telosians. I don't know. <laughs> so Spock's like, hey, listen, the ship's not doing this on its own anymore. They've got us. Sorry. And also the, uh, the, the when the bridge called down, they were like, uh, yeah, commander. And the Admiral's like, yes. <laughs> now this is because at the end of part one, mm-hmm. at the end of part one, Starfleet command puts Mendez in charge of the enterprise. They tell him, take over for Kirk, do whatever you can to keep the ship from getting to Talos. Did they really? I forgot yeah. that part. Okay. All right. I'll take it back then. Cause I thought that was real dumb. Yeah. Cause when, when uh, you mentioned that I had to think about that, it's like, Oh no, at the very end, they, uh, they, uh, uh, they put the ship in the, in the hands of Mendez and tell him, wow. do whatever you have to do. To That's keep that right. Ship it, was, it was the message from Comsol, not Robert Comsol. And that's Robert Conrad <laughs> who is Comsol. <laughs> and that's, that's the point where Kirk, Kirk's sympathy for Spock, like goes away as soon as the, as soon as Starfleet calls up, it's like, yeah, we're taking your ship away. It's like, not cool, dude. Right. Not, Not my cool. lady. I will keep <laughs> my lady. So then the thing starts up again and Pike and the women are getting up to the surface through the elevator. And again, and we see, no reason whatsoever why the video has started again. None. Of course not. No explanation. Well, I, uh, listen, at this point, they're just like, we got to get this thing over with. 
Like uh, at this point, even even the writers are like, the envelope's not working great. <laughs> we're, we're almost out of time. So uh, they get up the elevator, and this is the point where we see, man, that thing's a wreck. The elevator, the mountain, everything. It's almost <laughs> like somebody shot it and blew the top of the mountain off. Man, number one's going to be so excited. And the aliens are like, um, yeah, we meant to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we were always going to let you escape anyway, and then we were just planning on you running around on the surface and having babies. So, uh, so here we are on the surface. Pick your woman and have some babies. Pick your lady and we will send you to Mojave, California. <laughs> and what do you say? You will begin very carefully guided lives. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> I think it sounds better than my life being carefully guided by an alien telepath. <laughs> Thanks, man. So Pike says, you know what? I'll stay here with Vina. Send my two officers back. I'll stay here. And, and while he's we're... doing that, number one is like, click, 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 <laughs> moving the dial on her gun. And everybody's like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> Grenade drop. <laughs> She's like, nothing. <laughs> and Pike's like, oh, by the way, she just set a bomb. <laughs> and the Telosian the is the first time we're seeing a real reaction from the Telosian. It's like, hey, wait a second. is This is not good. Pike's like, hey, um, listen, you might want to run. This is not going to go well. And Vina, let's go. Let's let's hit it. We're going to transport you out of here. Vina's like, ah, yeah. Yeah, see, that. as long as it, I, I can't go with you. Well, first of all, they're like, he, they're going to set the bomb. And he, he tells Vina, get out of here. You don't need to die for this. Mm-hmm. And then he tells the Telosian, you know what? Because I'm so evolved, you get out of here too. And just watch us die. And Vina's like, well, you know what? If they still got me, they're probably going to try to get another human being. So I'll hang out with you guys and we'll all go up together. Right. And then something weird happens. (laughs) The other two Chalosians show up and said, you know what? We just got done reading their entire library. (laughs) And they tell the keeper, would you like a peek? And they look at the keeper and the keeper looks at them. And then the keeper looks horrified because he has now just been given basically a college level course in human history. He's like, seriously, you guys (laughs) use an electoral college. What is that about? (laughs) Wait, irradiating your planet. That was you guys. Oh, wow. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. I need to try a corn dog. Do you guys have corn dogs? I, that looks delicious. If you don't have corn dogs, we're done here. <laughs> so the Telosian just tells him, yeah, you know what? We didn't know you were those humans. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, you know what? I think we're all good. I, I yeah. you guys, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Go, go home. It's all good. We've decided to go a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure this is a good fit. I'm just saying. 
Just, so so they, they do the whole things of, you humans are just so incredibly in love with freedom that there's no way we could even ever keep you in a cage. way too much experience. <laughs> <laughs> so they're and like, well, once let's do they just... say you guys are a hot mess. They're really yeah, nice right? about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were very kind about it. So Pike and the ladies are like, all right, we're going to skedaddle then. And the ladies beam up. And Pike's still standing there. He's still standing. (laughs) And Vina's like, listen, I, I I gotta tell you the reason I can't go with you. Um, I did survive a crash and they really did fix me, but I kind of let myself go. Listen, they didn't really have any other people around to use as instructions. So it didn't go as you would expect. So do you ever buy something from Ikea and the instruction booklet is not in there or it's that's, like missing a page? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where we're at. So and she, I will say the effect on this is really cool. It was, it was really neat. Yeah. They did an excellent job because they even, they slowly take her looks and they're, they're slowly changing her to a person who is very damaged but they do such an excellent job in between the shots that you can still see her eyes move. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those frozen things that you're used to on, on like really bad horror movies. You can still see her eyes move and, and the expression in her face as she slowly changes. And it's for the time I have to say hats off to both the makeup people and the camera people for pulling that off. Cause I will say the one thing I didn't like about it though, is that her skin color kept changing in weird ways. Like it would get a little darker then a little lighter oh, then a little yeah. darker. Like the, like they couldn't quite get the right shade of makeup when they were going from scene to scene. So yeah. that was a little weird or maybe one of the light bulbs burn out or something. <laughs> but, uh, I was really happy with this scene until one thing happened and I rewound and had my daughter come in the room to watch it. Cause it was funny as hell. I'll get out. And that is when, She's getting a little bit older, a little bit more scarred and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden she hunches over and she's got a, yeah, she hunches over to one side. Her shoulder comes up, her other shoulder goes down and she gets this look on her face. Like I'm injured. (laughs) (laughs) I, I get what they were going for and it, it, it did ultimately work. She looked like a hunchback by the time it was all said and done, but it was also just like so abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> so here's my only issue with this though, is um, why didn't the Telosians at this point say, Hey, we were able to put her back together like this, but as you can see, we didn't have an instruction manual to go off of. Can we take a look at your records and yes. fix her? Like, yeah, it, I was, I was kind of possibility about that as well. You know, we're all powerful and everything. Like, can we just fix her now? And that would have been really, really kind of them. But no, they were like, well, we already messed it up. So she's stuck that way. Let's keep in mind, the reason they're in this situation to begin with is because they're lazy. That's true. These are very lazy creatures. The, the, The whole civilization thing, lazy. I'm going to grab the phasers out of the cage and not cause any illusions. Lazy. The Telosians are in the situation they are just because they don't want to put in the effort it takes. Right. I mean, look at them. They never even lift their arms. 
<laughs> not once the whole show. <laughs> not any of them was wearing pants. <laughs> anyway, so she suddenly she turns back beautiful again and and they're like, we will help her to feel and look beautiful forever. And she's like, see, I even feel good. It's pretty good. And Pike's and like, Pike's goes, huh, that could come in handy someday. Right. And uh, yeah, then fade to black. Pike goes back to the bridge and Spock is on the bridge and he goes, hyperdrive, <laughs> which I didn't realize was a callback to Forbidden Planet. A hundred percent. It turns out Gene loved Forbidden Planet. And in the first episode of Forbidden Planet, they established that they use hyperdrive. And uh, I forget what the name of the ship was, but the, that ship was actually powered by a hyperdrive. If Gene loved Forbidden Planet so much, why do we have no occurrences of Leslie Nielsen in any Star Trek? Um, That's wrong. It's just wrong. Because he was too busy making <laughs> Naked Gun movies? I don't know. <laughs> Not Naked Gun. What was the show that he did that Naked Gun was uh, based off of? Uh, the uh, Police Squad. Police Squad, yeah. He was too busy making Police Squad. That's what it was. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Kirk's like, all right, Commodore, what do you, what do you think? Uh, now it kind of looks like, you know, that Spock isn't guilty. Mendez is like, what? I think I'll just disappear. Right. And he just takes off. And Kirk and Spock are like, wait, what? <laughs> Actually, no, Kirk is like, what? And and Spock's the look on Spock's face is like, oh yeah, about that. <laughs> okay, so we made up the whole Mendez thing and the whole court martial. And at this point, Kirk is just like, You made me dress up for nothing. Right. <laughs> These are my dress yellows. <laughs> Kirk finally figures out what the whole thing is about. You know, he's finally that brain of his finally generates it all. And he goes to Chris and says, Chris, is this something you want to do? Chris beeps heartily. (laughs) (laughs) And Kirk tells Spock, take him to the transporter room. And then before he leaves, though, he tells Spock, and when you come back, I'm going to talk about, we're going to have a little talk about what a softy you've become, which yeah, of course, right. Spock was just like, dude, not cool. Right. Uh, Even yeah. in just not cool. Well, that's what he said there. But you know, as he was walking away, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a softy. <laughs> what happened to me? I hang out with humans too much. And I then mean, the whole thing was kind of sweet if you think about it. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, guy stuck in a wheelchair and he's, he doesn't get to be his former self and, they're like, well, we got a, we got a way to make that better. So, uh, yeah, what are we going to do? And, and so then the, uh, the, the keeper does his little, uh, his little well, philosophical. Before, oh, yes. Before we even get there, all of a sudden there's a telegram. We get a message that comes oh, yes. in from Commodore Mendez. The real Commodore Mendez is like, Hey, just, just for clarity, uh, you know, that show you were just watching. I watched the whole thing too. And man, you guys, so you have fun. Good. You, you boys, you enjoy, you know what you enjoy so much. We're repealing uh directive seven. It's cool. Don't worry about it. And it's in whatever you guys feel is best. Go ahead and do that. And you know what? We're not even going to do anything to Spock. Yeah. Which this, I find a little surprising in the military. You're not doing anything to him. He just stole a ship and beat up some people at the star base. 
and you're not doing anything. Oh, it happens all the time. People steal aircraft left and right. And they're like, Oh, it was to bring flowers to your grandma. Oh, that's (laughs) fine. Don't worry about it. I don't know. This message was a really convenient cause you know, Nobody could have faked that transmission. <laughs> I thought the same thing when I just watched it. It's like, and then of course, when he gets back, Mendes is like, where the hell have you been? Right, exactly. <laughs> but I thought um, you said, I never said anything like that. <laughs> We're doing this again. You came to the star base of this exact same thing. Oh, somebody has told us and nobody here told you to do anything, dude. Right. So the Telosians told you. Right. Uh Yeah. And you know that Kirk is going to live off of that story for years. (laughs) You know, I, it was the weirdest thing. I had a dream about the Telosians and then I decided to steal the enterprise the next day. (laughs) Oh, is that not okay now? Oh man, you're right. Well, I guess you'll have to take me to court because that'll always work. I get court-martialed all the time. He's yeah. got two thumbs and has been to Talos for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so in our final closing shot that I think we're watching on TV, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Vina and Pike wander off. Now in the original, the cage, uh, before Pike left the planet, they were like, you know how we're going to keep Vina happy? Deedle, deedle, deedle. Here's a fake pike for her, and they walk <laughs> off together. This time, they use it as a device, and they're like, "See, now Pike gets to feel like he is in his head instead of who he is in real life, and he gets to hang out with Vina forever." You have he has his illusion, and you have your reality. May yeah. you find your way as pleasant. Gross. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Anyway, the final shot is Kirk smirking at the screen in his Kirky smirky way. And uh, he just, you can see it in his head. He's like, ah, someday I'm coming <laughs> back here. That's going to be great. Uh, maybe they'll, they'll make some kind of ribbon where I can like, I don't know, make eggs. It'll be amazing. <laughs> okay. I'm writing down on a post-it note. Avoid Delta rays. <laughs> okay gonna keep that in my pocket right anyway altogether this is a pretty gosh darn good episode um clever usage of of footage yeah everything about it is great i i loved it i mean it's it's dumb but it's dumb because the cage was kind of dumb and that's what made it great yeah yeah no it it, uh like i said very very clever usage got a story around it and still is Consider one of the better episodes of Star Trek. 100%. So uh, next time, please make sure to join us as we're going to go into something really cool. The first time that Star Trek's going to do my favorite thing in the whole world, Shakespeare. <laughs> it's Conscience of the King. A bizarre one, but a really, really fun episode. Dude, I don't know what it is. There is something about like every single movie, every or not every movie, every uh, movie franchise, every uh, series, everything. Star Trek always comes back to Shakespeare, and it makes me so happy every time. I love it. There is a connection, hey, right? Um, so I did want to bring up that since it is our uh, our, our one year anniversary, and we're starting on our second year. Take a look at the Twitter feed. Just keep an eye out. There might be something cool coming up. 
Yeah, yeah, Where can yeah. we find that Twitter feed? No seatbelts pod on Twitter. I, I mean, on X. Make sure you go to <laughs> X. X is where you'll find us. And don't forget, you can also find our archive of free episodes covering all of the TNG and TOS movies, as well as where we are in season one. And all of those are at www.noseatbeltspod.com. <laughs> also, uh, we do have a blue sky as well. It's at no seatbelts pod. Or not that. It's no seatbelts pod dot busky dot social dot something. <laughs> I'm I'm just learning how to use it, so bear with us. I mean, I know it looks exactly like Twitter, but bear with us a little bit. It's kind of funky. <laughs> also, like thank our good friends over at five year mission for the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro. Thank you. Make sure you head on over to five year mission.net and check out their stuff. They've got a, a song for every episode of the original series broken up into uh, an album for each season. It is really cool stuff, really good songs. Uh, you can find stuff to download and purchase on their website as well as Apple music and Spotify. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you all. Stargate 8 2016.